Welcome back to a special episode of For Fintech's Sake. My name is Zach Anderson Pettit, and I have the privilege to introduce For Fintech's Sake's newest co-host, master of fintech ceremonies, and arbiter of great debates, John Zanoff. How you doing, John? Zach, I'm awesome, man. It is great to be here. Listen, we all need some social distancing from our Zoom calls, so it's good to be on the show today. Ain't that a fact, my man. Ain't that a fact. The irony of, of, uh, of recording this over Zoom, we will just leave alone. But I do wish that we were doing this in New York. And soon, I hope, I hope we do that again soon. My fingers and toes are crossed, my man. But until then, FinTech forges ahead and, and stronger than ever, in my opinion. Right, right. Well, at least, you know, if you, if you believe the LinkedIn's and the Twitter's and the social media's, it's definitely stronger than ever. So, so here we are. Maybe, maybe a little backstory, though, for the listeners that wonder why John and I are bantering back and forth right now. So John was running Techstars FinTech program in New York for years. And myself in my previous life, as listeners know, I was running Fountain City FinTech and MBKC Bank in Kansas City. And I found myself trying to kind of beg and borrow, and I don't want to say steal, so I'll just say borrow again, to attract the top fintech founders in the world to Kansas City of all places. They maybe are used to trying to hear from John to go to New York or whoever to go from San Francisco, but trying to get people to Kansas City was not something they generally came with open ears and eyes and minds to. However, I'm sure it comes as no surprise that John and his magical Techstars fairy dust, I say that obviously with love and no disdain at all, had some success with his home in a global financial capital of the world, New York. So we competed, but we were friends, right, John? Mostly, mostly friends, right? I mean, quite the battle. It's, it's the <laughs> age-old epic fintech rivalry between New York and Kansas City, Missouri. I mean, <laughs> Forbes cannot stop writing. The stories about, are abundant. Yeah. I mean, just Google, where's the best place to start a fintech, Kansas City or New York? And, and you will come up with no results. But in seriousness, <laughs> you know, the, the North Star of everything that I've done with Empire Startups, with Techstars and everything that you've been doing with MBKC and now Bond, it's always been about supporting entrepreneurs. And so, you know, we, we, we've talked at length. We had to find a way to work together. Yeah, and we, we thought, as kind of hinted at earlier, we thought we were going to be spending some more time in New York together this year. That did not quite work out as we'd hoped. So we got together on this beautiful Zoom thing that we keep talking about. We went deep into the depths of our brains and we stormed with all our might. And after that storming and some brutal long days and nights, what did we come back with? A visionary idea, right, John? What do we call it? An AMA. I'm updating my LinkedIn right now for visionary. <laughs> we invented the AMA. No one else has ever done it. Definitely did not come out of anything else that we had been noticing on LinkedIn or anywhere else in the world. We invented the AMA. So that's our legendary founding story. There's not much more to it. You have the opportunity to join these live AMAs and ask your own questions. But if you're stuck in back-to-back -back Zoom calls... Keep tuning into the podcast where we'll be sharing the knowledge and inspiration here. Well said, sir. And there are few humans in this world that provide the energy and knowledge that Alexa brings. And she was a wonderful first guest. Not a lot of people know it, but Alexa was actually one of the main reasons that I got into fintech. When I heard her story way back in the day, I was actually working at an investment bank that shall remain nameless. And I kind of realized that I could not keep doing that for the rest of my life and that this fintech thing was actually the future. So she played a much bigger role in my life than she probably 
ever realized. But was there anything else from your conversation with her that feels worth mentioning before we jump into it? It's hard to point to one thing. I love catching up with Alexa. She's a GP of Inspired Capital. And she's not that VC sitting up in an ivory tower somewhere. She's a hands-on founder who's been there and done that and has the scars and wisdom to prove it. I love it, man. And with that, I hope you all enjoy this very special episode of For Fintech Sake. One of my favorite things about having Alexa here is she's an absolute OG of fintech. It was 13 years ago she founded LearnVest. 10 years ago was when she was on stage at, at Disrupt making some waves about this. So for all of you that have been around fintech the last couple of years and feel like that you've, you've been around for a while, let me tell you, um, Alexa's been here from the beginning. I'd love to hear about what you've seen change and specifically why you, uh, you've launched Inspired Capital. Sure. I'm first really honored to be here. Hope everybody's staying safe and sane. Uh, I know these are really wild times. And actually, I think, you know, fintech is going to get even more interesting through all of this. Um, but uh, as you said, 13 years ago, I was dropping out or uh, yeah, about 13. I was dropping out of Harvard Business School to launch LearnVest. Actually, at a time just like this, Lehman Brothers had just gone under. The world seemed incredibly fragile. Um and I think it's a great time to go build a business. And fintech wasn't even a thing. Um, I remember the, the the concept of fintech. You know, we didn't call it that. Um, so uh, without hopefully feeling too old, I have I have been here for a while. Um, and Inspired Capital is our uh, brand new firm. So $200 million, dry powder, ready to go. So for everybody out there listening, really excited to hear about your great ideas. Uh, we're a generalist firm. We invest across all great technology ideas, category creating ideas. Um, we just look for A-plus founders and we do seed and series A around the country. Uh, we even look outside the United States. But uh, so we're a brand new firm. Uh, obviously, fintech is something I'm incredibly passionate about. I've written two books uh, on uh, finance and our wallet. So um, a place I've, I've spent a lot of time uh, and really enjoy spending a lot of time. So that's what Inspired Capital is. The last thing I'll just say that makes Inspired really unique is that um, among the four partners, so it's Penny Pritzker, former Secretary of Commerce for the United States and the, the White House, um, uh, Lucy Deland, a co-founder of Paperless Post, Mark Batsy, and a OG fintech brain. Um, and then myself, between the four of us, we built and scaled about 10 businesses. So I think it's also, you know, we're just diehard entrepreneurs who love to help uh, people and pay it forward. And particularly since we're located in New York City, um, we love the New York City ecosystem. So we're here to just honestly ideate, help people uh, think about things, hire, whatever it may be. Even if we don't get involved as a firm, we want to be here to help. I'm a former operator turned investor, and, and I think, uh, and with some bias, that operators make fantastic investors, specifically around our ability to coach founders. But with the operating experience at Inspired Capital, how, how do you think that provides an advantage for, for you and your team as you, whether it be looking to diligence deals or, or supporting your companies? I mean, one thing that just like specifically is unique to us between literally just the people I mentioned, we've employed about 1500 people in Manhattan. Um, so engineers, data scientists, marketing, uh, QA testing, you name it. And, you know, the paperless post, obviously an incredible design shop. Uh, you know, they built a new design uh, uh, platform across the, the internet, which will go to a hundred million people this year. So just 
really, really great talent. So I'll say that's one thing. Um, but then, you know, I, to your point, you know, when you're an operator and you've kind of seen it, I always tell our founders, there's nothing you can say that's going to scare me, uh, whether it's like a co-founder quitting to all your business just dried up. I mean, that's running a business, running a business. I always joke, I have like the calluses on my own hands from holding the reins and just like, you know, having some rough days. And, you know, I think what makes LearnBest great is LearnBest uh, wasn't like up and to the right building, I think, in some fintech categories. It's hard. These are hard businesses to build uh, regulatory environment. Customers aren't like dying to solve their wallets. It's not something people are like extremely exuberant about. Um, you know, there are days where I uh, wish we were doing something more fun on the internet, like games and things that would just be uh, lighter to build. Uh, you know, the wallet's a, a heavy place. People, it matters deeply um, to Americans. So um, specifically, just we've seen a lot. Um, it's not to say we've seen everything. There's still places we learn, but, um, you know, we've lived through a lot of problems, uh, a lot of challenges. And uh, the other thing that kind of makes us unique is we're actually recession entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, between Penny, Lucy and I, we've actually built businesses in recessions. Um, and I would say your teeth are sharper when you've done that because you've you, you literally have to make $1 go seven ways. And I would say startups only die for two reasons. You run out of cash and you run out of cash. And so you better not run out of cash. And that is just like inborn in our DNA. And so we've been prepping our portfolio companies of all the ways to make sure that they thrive. Uh, along those lines, I'm guessing that just an unbelievable amount of your time these days are spent on calls just like this with your portfolio companies. Some of the shock has passed um, and everyone's settling in to continue to build the business. Can you share some of the advice um, and guidance that you've been giving to, to your portfolio companies over the last couple of weeks? So our partnership, um, you know, uh, within so so i'm currently in florida right now um uh where i was coming down for spring break and within a few days of that we actually i you know before i, th I think things got in incredibly clear we actually pulled all of our ceos of our portfolio companies together and um one of my partners penny pritzker who you know uniquely her brother's the governor of illinois uh she you know sat in the situation room at the white house the secretary of commerce she's you know seen a lot um, we actually just pulled all of our companies together and just said, here's the things that we want you to prepare for. Um, not because we are soothsayers and can tell you what the future is going to look like, but at the minimum, we can tell you um, what we think would be thoughtful to prepare for. And the sort of things that we said were um, be prepared for this to last a really long time. So, you know, at the minimum, a recession, maybe a depression, uh, which means three to five years. And uh, we just said, prepare for that mentally, emotionally, and fiscally. We told our companies, you want to make sure that you have um, ideally 30 plus months of cash. And so think about what you need to do to do that and do it fast. Like not making a decision is a decision. And so we just said, go ahead and make those changes quickly. Um, we also said, be prepared to work at home for a year, which may sound like, again, back when we were saying that in March, may sound like really dramatic at the time, but we just said, we don't know what we don't know and be prepared that this isn't a trial run to stay at home for a bit. Um, we said it could be off and on again too. So we just said mentally prepare the teams, take your monitors home, whatever you need to do to, to make it work. And by the way, we're all juggling. So uh, myself included, I have little kids. Um, but so those are the sort of things we prep for. We also just said, stay close to your business, stay close to your customers, make sure not only, you know, whoever is paying you revenue 
Make sure you're staying really close to them and listening to their needs so that you can be really nimble as the CEO to listening to what other opportunities may present itself. Um, and so that's a little bit of what we did. And I think it was just really wonderful, um, you know, the, just the expertise we can bring, um, uh, you know, inspired, unique, and uh, just the expertise and relationships that we have where we could provide a lot of really powerful insights to our company, but quickly. And I think that's the difference between winning and losing is just getting access to information quickly. That's really helpful, and I and I think that that helps galvanize how important it is to have former operators as as investors with with some of that guidance. Now, the as a reminder, I, I want to be answering. I want to make sure Alexa is answering all of your questions. So click that ask a question. We have some great ones coming in. They, they seem to come in three camps. Uh, they seem to come in camps of really what's motivating you and your story is fascinating. To we're a fintech company. We're maybe a post product market fit, post revenue. What should we be doing? And then there's. Um, We'd love to pitch you or an early stage company. What should we be thinking about? Those are sort of camps. I'm going to try to group those together. But one that I know I want to just get off uh, right away is just about pitching inspired capital. What's the best way to pitch Alexa Von Tobel, not just from a tactical standpoint, but if you can give some ideas on what really excites you and and how a company at an early stage can can stand out? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Having so, I was part of two companies that have been acquired. One where I was an early team member uh, called Dropio that got acquired by Facebook, and then Soul Founder, uh, which is a I think a unique thing in that um, when you're a sole founder, it's pretty lonely. I always joke my husband is basically my unofficial co-founder because he had to deal with all of it. Um, so you know, I've 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 been part of two businesses that have been built and acquired. Um, and you know, particularly in New York. And so what I would say what I look for in entrepreneurs is a few things. Um, somebody who's doing it not just to say, I want it, I always wanted to be a CEO and I want to build this thing. It's gotta be in your heart, your DNA. You know, Learn Best for me was personal. I built it um, because I had seen, you know, my family had gone through a lot of financial. My my dad passed away when I was younger, and I remember my mom overnight having to take care of three kids and her wallet. And I couldn't believe that there weren't better platforms out there. And I just said to myself, I want to be good at taking care of my wallet. I don't need to have the most money. But so it was a really personal problem I wanted to go fix. And, you know, in the end, Learn Best was financial planning meets TurboTax um, for America and for everyday normal people. And it really came from a deeply personal place. So I look for entrepreneurs who care about what they're building because I will promise you if it's like, if you don't like food and you're building a foodie app or you don't love gaming, but you're building games, like it's going to suck at some point. And I you know, think when things get dark, you may not last. Um, so I think that's the first thing. Second, we look for entrepreneurs who see the future. And I think, you know, have a really clear point of view about something that's going to happen and are going to will it to happen. Um, and so big category creating ideas where you have a point of view and a reason. Um, and, you know, I get pretty fired up going down the journey with with those ideas. And um, you'll find like I'm a passionate entrepreneur myself and I quickly want to jump in the boat with the founder and be like, how do we make that work? Let's 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 get in there and let's get scrappy. Um, and then I'll say, you know, people with, uh, you know, the one thing that I think makes entrepreneurs really special is like extreme resilience. I mean, there were dates. So LearnVest was acquired on a Wednesday and I had my first child that weekend, like life happens and you have to be an entrepreneur and do superhuman things in your business while like your personal life could be growing crazy while the markets could be upside down. And so I really do look for people who have 
track records of showing something special. Um, and, you know, I was born in Kentucky, grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, family of doctors and nurses. My mom's a nurse. And, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I was an entrepreneur early. And I think if you would have looked at my own track record, like I was the kid on the you know set of lemonade stands, I was selling like anything off my parents' walls. I'm like, I was just like a, a deal maker. I was making things happen. And so I look into people's backgrounds and I really want to see like something extraordinary. You know, I was also an, a, an athlete. I was a diver. I, I do a platform. So something where you've been pushed to extraordinary places in your background so that you got that muscle, that muscle memory of pushing yourself past what is humanly possible. Um, and that, that those are the sort of things I like to look for. So massive ideas, new categories, passionate founders who are doing it, not just because they want to go make money. Um, you know, being successful is, is, is allowed and that's great. But if that's the main driver, I, I think you're going to want to quit some days because it gets rough. Um, and then some sort of thing in your track record that you can really see you've been exceptional before, um, where that muscle memory is there pushing yourself to the point of extreme exhaustion. And I'll end that point by just saying, you know, I think there's this glamour and glossiness of entrepreneurship and you should read. I, 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 I welcome everybody to read the mission statement on the Inspired uh, Capital website. That's the only thing on our website, just our mission. It's really simple on purpose. Um, but there's this vision of entrepreneurs being super amazing and glossy and fancy. Not That's not how we view the world. We view it as the grit, the dirtiness, the ugliness, the superhuman nature. And so um, I always joke, you cross the finish line with one limb, like actually hanging on by a thread. Um, and so that that is our style. That is what we look for. It's that grit. That's great. I, I'd, I'd echo that. Um, you go into entrepreneurship because you have the tenacity to, to run through a wall. So for all the entrepreneurs who are, who are listening to this, you know, uh, hat tip to you. You're, you're the ones that are, that are building the next gen of fintech. So um, sticking along the lines of advice for entrepreneurs and, 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 and as they're pitching Inspired, Inspired has a, a fantastic diversity um, mandate. I know you don't exclusively invest in female-led companies, but you're trying to um, uh, instill the future of fintech, which is diversity. So, you know, Ashley had the question, you know, if you could go back to your 20s and do anything different, you know, what advice do you give for for some younger women who are joining fintech at this stage? Inspired is a generalist firm. We invest in anything and everything. We look at everything. We have no mandate to men or women or anything, right? Like we're just here to find the best ideas. Um, one thing that's pretty great about our firm is you can just see from like the faces of who the partnership is. And um, we were born modern, I'll just say. Like a lot of firms are retroactively trying to, you know, have diversity and different we were born modern. We've got multi-generational differences, ethnicity differences, immigrant, you know, some of our teams are immigrants. Like it really is, you know, I, I think special and we we're born modern. And I think that frankly, it's 2020 and that should be the way things are. Um, um, so what I would say to somebody in their twenties, uh, uh, you know, I was 23 when I founded LearnVest. I dropped out of Harvard business school, bottom of a recession. I was 24, 25. I was a first-time founder, a first-time entrepreneur, uh, and I didn't have time to think about, like, was I male, female, this, that? Like I said, I have to be the best. I have to outwork everybody. And so that was what um, was really driving me. People always ask me, um, you know, what I would do differently. And I think 
um, I never thought about what I was and I was really focused on what we could be and what we were. And um, so that that's my best piece of advice. The other thing I'll just say is like dream big. No one else is going to dream for you. Um, and part of like what's just in my DNA is to like dream really big. And if we get halfway there, like that's still pretty awesome. And so um, I would push founders, you know, um, you're allowed to boil the ocean. That shouldn't be your business plan. Like you got to work backwards and have like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three of great ideas. But, um, you know, I push people to just think bigger, be more aggressive in your vision. Um, and you know, believe in yourself and no one else is going to believe in you except you. So, uh, let's start there. Awesome. Thank you for that. So, one of the things, obviously, with LearnVest, you, you exited to a large corp. There, there's an opportunity to to pollinate large corporations, whether it be banks and other financial institutions have been very interested in in partnering with and acquiring. Can you talk about the, you know that experience? Um, you know, do you see potential corporate buyers as as a white elephant for for fintech startups? Question coming in from uh, from from Brian Murphy. Hundred percent. I'll just say, you know, um, first of all, Northwestern Mutual—they're a blue chip, hundred and sixty-three-year-old company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They have about a half a trillion dollars of assets. Largest and oldest insurance company um, in the country. Really good value. So, uh, uh, you know, my family had life insurance from Northwestern Mutual. It literally felt like the most beautiful marriage because I believed in the product. I experienced the product. Um, it, you know, as, as an individual who lost a family member. And so it just really was a, it was like a, you know, beautiful vision fit of our software and their 8,000 financial planners. Um, I stayed for three years. Uh, actually, sorry, I stayed up for almost four. So it was a great experience for me. I joined the management team, became their chief digital officer, and then the chief innovation officer, um, stood up the venture fund. We invested in companies like Chime. So like did some really great stuff. Um, I also should just mention like in my personal portfolio, I'm an investor in Lemonade and Tally and Ethos and a bunch of really great fintech companies. So obviously live and love fintech. Um, uh, I think, and I've thought about this a lot, I think your big incumbents across the country and the world in the financial services category, the best and fastest way for a lot of them to innovate is to go acquire the scrappiest, best teams. It's really hard to acquire A plus talent when you're a big incumbent because it's far more fun to be on outside of the walls breaking rules, making things interesting, innovating, pushing boundaries, bleeding edge of like customer um, success and thinking about your customers. And, um, you know, when you're a big incumbent, um, there was actually this beautiful chart that said, what makes big incumbents successful is they follow rules, they follow legal, <laughs> they follow compliance, they are incredibly rigid and structured. And what makes startups successful is like you go fast, you think outside of the box. And so, um, for sure, the incumbents will have to go and buy, uh, buy the new ideas, not just for the ideas, not just for the technology stacks. And we always love full stack technology. So not just your front end, but also your back end, your underwriting layers, your digitization layers, your data layers, because the big incumbents don't have them. Um, but then it's also the talent. Um, and so all of that, the fact that you can build interesting brands. So I believe we'll go through over the next 15 years, just an era of tremendous uh, 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 you know, acquisitory um, regime happening where your incumbents are, and by the way, not just FinTech, I think all categories, um, particularly if you go to you know the middle of the country, I think um, as some of the, you know, the data science talent, you know, as it's constantly going to the coast, I think you'll see even more acquisitions happen uh, simply based on where talent is. 
and hopefully talent goes all over the country. I think we're seeing that happen, but it's always, you know, kind of going faster to the coast. So I think I think we'll see a lot of acquisitions. I mean, you touched on an, an interesting point, which is just the the incumbent's dilemma of not being able to move as fast and, and break things. And and what's interesting about that is that you're someone that loves to break things. Um, how do you marry that at Inspired Capital? How do you stay entrepreneur? entrepreneurial with with inspired capital yeah i mean even just the way that we think about our firm is incredibly nimble um prior to even covid you know we were um we're an always on 24 hours a day seven days a week we'll do a partner meeting sunday morning at 8 a.m like i mean we are incredibly nimble um and i think part of that is just meeting entrepreneurs where they are um again we've been them I know what it's like to sit across partners. And I, I mean, I, I actually like viscerally remember it whenever we're in those meetings to make sure that, you know, the entrepreneur feels respected and cared about. And um, just because I've been there and I've been, you know, been through all of the emotions, feeling respected, feeling not cared about all of it. Um, and so, you know, I think we try to just be really, really agile. Um, the other thing is like, we try to really ideate with the entrepreneurs. You know, I kind of view this as, I, I put my hand up to say, I want to do this for the next, you know, rest of my working career, which um, I kind of realized I love to work um, and helping people build companies is honestly something I would do for free. And I full credit to my husband. One day I was thinking about what I wanted to do next. You know, I finished my almost four years at Northwestern Mutual and been on the management team. And he was like, you're literally talking to entrepreneurs nights and weekends, every minute you have free, you love helping them. Maybe you do that full time. And I looked at him and it was like, that's what I'm going to do. So it just came from an incredibly authentic place of, so I'll, I'll say one other thing is like, we don't view this as like transactional in that we're happy to just help entrepreneurs, even if we don't participate, like I've been them, I want to help them succeed. I know how lonely it is to build a company. Um, and so I'll say, you know, we, we plan to be here for the rest of my career, which I'm 36 years old and I hope to do this for a really, really long time. Um, and so we also just view this as community building. You know, I was the kid in New York who actually worked out of a Starbucks. Like my first office was like a, my first hire. Um, her name's Annie. She's on this call. Uh, I literally hired her in a Starbucks to send him an office and there was no WeWorks. And um, so, you know, I really just, viscerally remember and I go back to those days. So part of it is how do we community build? How do we help New York continue to thrive? Uh, we always joke the top of our business plan for Inspired Capital is entrepreneurs will fly east. It's New York City. Like come east to raise your capital from the West Coast. Like why do we always fly west? Um, and I love New York. I'm a diehard New Yorker um, and I'm proud of the city and I'm proud of the innovation. And so we also just really care about paying it forward, even if we're not investing. So we just want to try to be helpful. That's awesome. It, it sounds like what's what's getting you out of bed now is just supporting entrepreneurs and helping them build the, the future of fintech. Is that fair? One thing to say out loud, I think fintech is like quickly bleeding into a lot of other um, categories, right? Like if you if you fast forward fintech payments, um, lending, debt, ownership, that's all fintech, right? It's a massive layer. Um, you know, we most recently just did an amazing company called Phoenix, uh, where uh, you know it's a it's a payment, it's a pay fact that brings it in as a software, uh, so helps every company become a a payments facilitator. Um, all the way to you know, we did grow small business bank about the future of small business. Um, we're cooking on a few other things that we can't share just yet. Um, and my my point there being like. 
if fintech used to be like this, it was just like current financial services, but innovative, you're quickly seeing the category of fintech and our wallets just bleed. It's gig economy, how we earn, how we spend, how we save. It's so broad. And as somebody who stared at an American family wallet for a decade, that is literally what I did every night. I became a certified financial planner, wrote two books on the future of our wallets and also financially fearless, which is just like what everybody needs to know to make their wallets work. Um, You know, I dream a lot about what our future of our wallets look like. It's just, my point is it's broadening. And so, um, so yeah, so like, as you can tell, I would just, I would do this all day long. This is pretty fun. It's uh, a real honor. That's great. And, and thanks for the clarification that inspired Caps and in investing across all sorts of verticals. But when you're when you're talking to John Zanoff and Empire Startups, we're, of course, just going to plug fintech, fintech and, and more fintech. Um, so l- let's talk about moving forward. I mean, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there, obviously, with the current pandemic. But what sectors um, or it could be verticals are you really excited? I mean, what's going to outperform following a recession like this? Yeah. Um, so I'll just say, and again, I'm, everything I'm going to say is super obvious. Um, and I'm sure people watching have even better ideas. But just to give you a sense of what I've been thinking about is we've been on what we can now nine of working from home and, you know, working in um, in our homes and um, just a few things I'd say. I think we're going through the largest cultural reset of our entire lives. Um, truly, uh, the entire planet has been sent home. And that will never, I mean, if you think about just the amount of change that is beginning to happen and just the fact that, you know, I have three little kids and I can work the exact same amount of hours, productivity, et cetera. And I can do it while I see my kids more. There's just some beautiful cultural resets that I think are really happening. So, and I'm an optimist by nature. So I'm going to talk about the optimistic stuff for a moment. Um, So I think the future of work is evolving rapidly. Flexible work, where we work from, rapidly happening. Um, you know, I think a lot about the digitization of seniors. So, um, you know, we invest in a great company called Umbrella, which helps seniors stay in their homes before this happened, by the way. So that company is just absolutely crushing it right now. Um, but overnight, everyone above the age of 60 is using every single digital thing that they possibly can because they need it to stay safe. They can't go to the grocery store. They can't run all these errands. And so I think we'll see billion-dollar businesses built from the digitization of seniors who, by the way, if you know the wallet well, they actually will have money through this, right? Uh, millennials uh, and Gen Z will, won't, um, and seniors will, right? They actually have some savings. They have their retirement accounts, et cetera. Um, so we thought a lot about that. Um, a few other things um, that you know we think about is I'm deeply focused on right now what keeps me up at night. And truly, when I say keeps me up at night, like I wake up at sometimes at three o'clock in the morning and I'm reading the stories of the unemployment numbers. And we're at 35 million. I think, unfortunately, we're going to touch far greater numbers than that. I don't think all of those jobs come back. Again, I'm stating the obvious. What are we going to do to help empower the country financially? We were already living paycheck to paycheck. And I almost view what happened with COVID is COVID didn't cause this crisis. COVID exposed that the precarity of the American wallet People, 78% live paycheck to paycheck, $400 in savings. It's the max. Like you were seeing not only precarious, uh, you know, everyday American household, but also the precarity of small businesses who don't have two months of savings. And we've got to find a way to democratize the wallet to help empower everybody. Um, because we can't live in a place where something bad happens and 1% of the country is safe and sound and the rest of the 
you know, part of our communities and, 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 and countries not only struggling, but destitute. So I think we're going to see a lot of things that are, you know, uh, universal basic income. What does that look like? We need systems to be able to get money from one place to the other overnight. We're really focused on money movement and how does that happen? Like I call it liquefied money. Um, at some point we'll have autonomous wallets, but you need liquefied money before that money needs to be able to move. And ACH takes five days. That doesn't work. So we've been cooking up some really big ideas and we have some thesis papers we've written, but this is what I've been spending um, my brain, uh, my horsepower really thinking about is, uh, you know, uh, I think healthcare will go uh, virtual. Uh, you know, I looked at a great company yesterday about uh, virtual healthcare for kids. And so just, there's a ton of interesting things happening and that's what makes me optimistic. Um, on the pessimistic side, if we have 40 million people unemployed, how do we get those people back to work? So I'm really worried about that. I'm excited about gig economy ideas. Um, any way that people can make extra money, it's going to work. People need to make extra money. So come to me. I'm just Alexa at Inspired Capital. You would ask how people pitch me. Just email me. Send me your pitch. I want to hear everything. I'm going to loop a couple questions together. Uh, and Dreesen talks a lot about everything is fintech. I, I've got my opinions, uh, but there are a number of great platform plays out there. There are questions coming in about embedded financial services, whether it be Uber, Apple, Walmart, and what effect, what effect that will have on early stage fintech. So if, if everyone's consuming financial services via a large tech provider, for instance, you know, what does distribution look like for, for early stage companies? And sort of related questions are just whether whether you see fintech as standalone business models moving moving forward, or is the next evolution something else? First of all, I think that um, I the core. So one thing I why I love um, being in fintech and financial services is like innovation is helping make people's lives better, right? You're never innovating in fintech to like make somebody spend an extra dollar or hurt them on like, you know, minimum balances, et cetera. It's always about get, giving more money back to the everyday American. And I, you know, I really do feel like I'm a normal everyday American. I was uh, born in Kentucky. My dad was in the army, like really a normal person. My, uh, you know, uh, on my grandfather's side, my grandfather was blue collar as it gets literally a welder. Um, and so, you know, how do you help? And my mom was born in South Bend, Indiana. So, you know, that's where I went growing up to see my grandparents. So um, how do you help the everyday American? So when I think about what we do is so often um, financial service was the haves and haves not. And what I think we're starting to see is when you can have more data on a population, you better understand their business. You better understand their wallet. You can offer them services that, you know, the 1% get access to because you know that you can trust them better with lending or you can trust them better with, um, you know, gamifying savings to say, hey, how do we help really get you to save more money? So I've seen some really interesting things pop up there. Um, I think really focused lending is a really interesting space uh, where if you have a nurse's union, you understand, you know, either that's a population that's pr pretty likely to always be unemployed. There's not a lot of layoffs in nurses, right? Um, so you can start to offer better, uh, uh, better opportunities for those wallets based on really understanding who an audience is. Um, so I think we're excited about that. Um, 
you know, I'm always excited about payments businesses. Uh, I've been focusing on fintech for restaurants. Um, so, you know, I also go really specific to categories. Um, you know, we want restaurants to come back. I think they're part of our culture. I know me as a mom, I sure as heck can't cook every night. <laughs> that is just not going to work. Um, and so, um, again, getting really specific on audiences and thinking about their financial needs. And again, not just for the individual, but for the businesses, um, you know, a third of the population is small businesses. So um, how do we think about that? I'm also wildly biased, uh, not just fintech, but New York City. So I echo your sentiment that folks should be coming east. But how does how does this pandemic and the fact that everyone's running distributed companies affect who you may invest in and sort of related? How has this augmented your your diligence process, if at all? So specifically, are you looking at, at different areas that you might not have looked at historically, founders from different areas of the world that you might not have looked at historically? For First of all, we are open for business literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and, you know, one thing that's great about Inspired is we're going to be here uh, for for a long, for a long, long time. Um, and, you know, some of our investors, you know, put their hand up to back us for five funds type thing. So like we're going to be here for a long time. So we really think about long term. I think that's the best way to say it. So first of all, we uh, you know, we'll take pitches from anywhere across um, the the country uh, and and planet. Um, uh, you know, we uh, just got excited about a company in Toronto, um, and you know, I I think what we're really focused on. By the way, we were always comfortable with distributed work as long as the founders or founding team we felt like were ready to be married for fifteen years. Um, and so, you know, I think it hasn't really changed how we think about investing. One thing that's special is we have a brand new fund. So we have $200 million of dry powder, which I think is pretty, you know, special. Um, and so all of our attention right now is focused on the future. Um, you know, we have a few portfolio companies, but they just got funded because, you know, by nature we're, we're here and we're new. Um, and so I think we've just been really focused on how do we help the ecosystem? How do we help founders, even if we don't get to invest? How do we just be good teammates? And I think um, it's a little bit of who we are, too, which is we just want to be good citizens in the community. And um, I have this view, which is I think over time, the East Coast is going to become more valuable for for entrepreneurship. Um, it's New York City, Right. Every bank has become a technology shop. Every hedge fund's a technology shop. And so if you think about it, just the, the, the ecosystem has matured. And so I think for even entrepreneurs in New York, we're, we're just trying to be good teammates um, and without being self-serving. And I know that may sound like really cheesy and corny, but it really is just where our hearts are. We've been in the, the community for 15 years and we just want to see it thrive. And uh, again, I've been, been that kid in the Starbucks uh, where the only angel fund would give you 50K and I said to myself, I can't build a business like this. How do I get up? Um, and so we just want to pay it forward. And that's why we love to do things like this. Um, so it hasn't changed anything. You know, as we get to know founders, we want to make sure they know who we are. I think that's really important. So we're really open kimono. We're like, we're happy to, we've done Zoom cocktails with entrepreneurs. We're doing whatever, you know, they're meeting my kids, which they probably wouldn't have easily been able to do because of the, you know, we're sitting and uh, my uh, my 18 year old bedroom from, uh, you know, growing up in Florida. Um, so we're, we, you know, we try to be really personal because building business is really personal. It's your whole life. It's everything when, when you're the founder. Talk to us a little bit more sort of best practices, some of the questions around from your portfolio companies. How should entrepreneurs be thinking about communicating and in a way supporting your your investors in an environment like this? You know, I think the best entrepreneurs, uh, my old board member once said to me, um, he would, you know, we would start board meetings. 
you don't have to tell me the good things. Let's dive right into the bad things. And like a board is supposed to work for the CEO. Um, and I remember really feeling like I could put, I, I would put my board to work. I'd be like, I need this, 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 this. And, you know, when you're a young founder, by the way, I was 23, 24, 25, um, when you're a young founder, you know, it's intimidating sometimes to have a board and um, and you have to very quickly get to a place where you can say, not you work for me in that sort of tone. It's more of a, I need you working with me like as soon as possible. And so just shifting your mindsets there. So one of the things we often say with founders is we're like, get psychologically safe with us quickly. Like put your guard down. I don't it need it to be perfect. You don't have to put on the pretty show for me. If you do, I'm going to know you're not telling me the problems because I, I know there's problems. And uh, so this goes back to my old board member. We started board meetings with this is the stuff that is keeping me up at night. This is the stuff. If we don't figure it out, we will die. And it's a really good mindset to and I call it L-I-T-T-P, lean into the pain, lean into the pain. Every morning, every day, when you get out of bed, go solve your worst problem. And as a founder, you know what it is. Like you do, you know, the worst things you have to do because they wake you up in the middle of the night. They're in your gut. You're like, oh, it's the problems that cause you emotional stress. So lean into those. Um, I think it's so valuable um, to lean into the pain. And you can't do that if you're putting on a pretty face for your your investors. So you ask, how do you help your investors? For us at Inspired Capital, we're like, put your guard down with us quickly we're here to row. And I use the analogy, the visual of a boat a lot. Like the second um, we love your business, we jump in the boat and we're like, let's just start rowing. Cause by the way, the only asset that you can't get more of is time. And that is really the most valuable thing you have to run up against. Sage advice it takes a while for, I think founders to, to put their guard down and, and really trust you as a partner. But once they do amazing things really happen, talk a bit about, let's talk a little bit about your portfolio. I mean, I think there are a number of fintechs that are actually thriving in this environment. The, the acceleration of digitization to, to quote my uh, consulting friends uh, is, is, is accelerating. And, and what's that meant for your portfolio? Who's surprised you in this environment? Um, let's give some plugs to the inspired portfolio. Propel, which was helping um, truly the, you know, the the underprivileged Americans um, get access to food stamps. And unfortunately, as you can imagine, like that population just got a lot bigger, a lot faster as we're seeing record levels of unemployment. So Propel is uh, a wonderful company. Jimmy is just one of the coolest founders. I, I sincerely like have so much affection for him because he's doing something I think just matters a lot. And so Propel's seen an incredible moment. We have a, um, a company that we're a seed investor in called Umbrella, which was around helping seniors stay in their homes. Because when you're a senior, your biggest ask is um, to make sure that you get to live in your home as long as you want to. And by the way, nursing homes, after all of this, are going to be a real challenge for people. Um, and as a result, Umbrella has seen hundreds of percents of growth in a short period of time. It's an, And the founder is a phenomenal uh, entrepreneur named Lindsay Ullman, who I also just have a ton of affection for. Um, we have a company in our portfolio called Chief, which is helping um, women get to the top of companies. And uh, they were killing it before. And what they quickly saw was they went fully digital and fully virtual. And um, I think virtual communities, like, I don't know about you guys, but I've never needed to, never needed to see other faces more and have just like an emotional outlet um, because it is so bizarre 
staying in your bedroom and office all day long with no human contact. Um, and so I think they're seeing some really unique things happen. Um, as I said, uh, if for everybody out there, there's a small business bank that we backed called Row R-H-O. Check it out. First of all, um, they're helping uh, their small businesses get access to loans and all these other things they need. And it's all digital first with an incredible software layer over a small business bank, doing all the things that you would obviously want to have happen and just make your life easier being an entrepreneur. Um, so again, we've, you know, it's, it's an early portfolio. Um, there's a really cool company in our portfolio called Geneva, um, which imagine like a discord for everyday people uh, to be able to talk and the concept of Geneva is it's about safe spaces. Um, you can make rooms and homes and <laughs> they went live like a few weeks ago, but like you couldn't have had a better time for them to go live because we're all locked in our home and just trying to come up with better ways to communicate. And you can have rooms of 30 people on an audio, sorry, up to 99 people on one audio and you can opt in and opt out. It's super cool. So that's Geneva chat. So check that out. So again, they're, they're early and, uh, you know, they happen to be doing well cause they're all newly capitalized. Um, but, uh, have just been having a ton of fun. And, um, as I said, I'm really proud of propel. It's just an amazing company and Jimmy's just a special founder. And, uh, but anyways, uh, we think all of our founders are pretty cool. Thanks for that. Yeah. Propel and um, one of the many uh, Empire Startups alum also listening in. So I appreciate that. Um, what about what's what's missing in your portfolio? You know, click your heels and all of a sudden you get a pitch from this fintech company. What are, what are they working on? I really think we have to create better. So, you know, I, I believe in the private sector because I believe like we innovate faster, we go faster, we work 24 hours a day. And I think we exposed a lot of real vulnerabilities of the country, which I, unfortunately I always knew were there because I stared at an American wallet for a decade. Um, but, you know, we don't have safety nets. We don't have, you know, outside of one thing going wrong, we can't live in an environment where every family in America could be destitute quickly. Um, and so, you know, I'm really interested in just um, what are we going to do to make sure we move as a country forward together? So I'm really interested in anything that is democratizing financial benefits, anything that helps us um, make the savings muscle. People, people don't want to deal with their wallets because they're overwhelming. Um, I fully believe in autonomous wallets um, uh, having, again, built financial planning software, which was like an uphill battle of like, please come think about your wallet. People don't want to. And so I'm looking, you know, pitch me on anything that has to do with helping an American family around their wallet, um, around services that we need. So we've been looking at the future of insurance. Um, we've been looking at um, people need money. People need to make money. How can you help people earn an extra hundred bucks a week in any way? I want to hear those ideas. Um, I think the future of work is changing as we know it literally hour by hour through what we're going through right now. Um, and so we spend a lot of time, uh, uh, you know, there's going to be 30 million people displaced. We got to put them to work as a, as a community. So how are we going to do that? Um, so I want to hear all the pitches and I'll, I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm always up just to hear an idea, even before you're ready. Um, just say, Hey, Alexa, here's what I'm noodling on. And, um, you know, always excited to just learn more. And I am a constant learner. That's one thing I will say. I, love to just uh, riff with people. Uh, so um, a good friend of mine also at Slow Ventures, we've been riffing on, uh, you know, pensions are gone, 401ks. Why do companies own the responsibility for the benefits of America's wallet, if you think about that, right? That is a, it's owned by our employers, our health benefits, our 401ks and IRAs. And it's just an interesting thing. Like, 
what if that could look differently? So, you know, thinking about it all. We're going to have time for just a couple more questions, and then we're going to get uh, let Alexa go back to uh, her kids who are being tortured in another room, not being able to speak uh, during this live broadcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and she's on mute, so she can't respond to my claims of uh, these claims. But um, I, you know, I love this question from from Ashley. Just book recommendations. You know, you, we talked about mental health. Well, one thing about mental health is is not necessarily staring at uh, fintech or tech in general all the time. But talk about some books that have inspired you um and um and then any just closing thoughts you have for entrepreneurs that are that are doing their best through this environment yeah um so there's a book called uh, by kevin kelly called the inevitable and it's uh about uh about a, a dozen categories that are changing as we know it underneath us and gives us a really good visual of like what the world will look like potentially um it was just a great read i love it i've, I've been a big fan of that book um I wrote a book called Financially Forward, which is a bit about the future of our wallets. Um, and it also includes just some basic financial information um, and Financially Fearless, which was a bestseller. Uh, so I'd be remiss not just to say those out loud. Um, I, um, but then, um, you know, I'm, I'm also a normal human. So I think some of the things I really like to think about are, um, you know, I read a book called Why We Sleep, um, because I think well-being, you know, we can't be always on and also sleep is vital to our mental well-being. And so that was a great one. Um, I, I'm trying to think. Uh, I actually am in the middle of reading some books just about the basics of investing and like rereading them um, right now. Uh, but that gives you a, a sense of a few um yeah, but you're absolutely right. Mental well-being is another one. So um, if you're doing anything in the, I actually studied psychology undergrad. Um, if you're doing anything in the mental well-being category, we're interested. We want to hear about it. Well, this has been fantastic. For all of those that have put in their questions that we didn't have time for, really appreciate it. But uh, Alexa has shared her contact info, so feel free to to follow up direct. She's interested in any exciting pitch across any vertical. Tell her what you're noodling on. Um, thank you so much to Alexa and the Inspired Capital team, and we hope everyone will join us next week for our next live AMA with Jeremy Shore from Grasshopper Bank. Thanks, guys. Can't wait to learn more about everything you guys are building and stay safe and sane. All right. I hope you enjoyed this very special episode of For Fintech's Sake with John and Alexa this week. If you want to get in touch with us, join a future live AMA, or just figure out where to send your complaint letters about this new host, you can find John and Empire Startups on Twitter at Empire Startups, or you can sign up for their free weekly newsletter at empirestartups.com. You'll be able to see any new upcoming AMAs and lots more fintech fodder. Now, if you want to get in touch with me or learn more about Bond, that is pretty easy too. Get in touch with me via email at Zach at For Fintech's Sake or find me on Twitter at Zach Pettit or at For Fintech's Sake. Until next time, stay healthy, keep your head high, and make sure that you're not on mute.